This is Radio 4. Coming up next, a podcast of spurious morality. And now we need to use the wrong era's theme tune. As well, as we, <laughs> we need a high old theme. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing that again. It took me ages to come up with the first one. And welcome to a podcast of spurious morality. I'm Johnston, and this week I'm joined by Connor. Hello. And I am joined by Mansour. Hello. Hello. And we're going to discuss Audio Doctor Who, but not the Audio Doctor Who you're expecting. Unless you've seen the episode's title, in which case you've probably worked out we're talking about BBC Radio stuff. Um, so, uh, the spoiler warning today is basically not big finish mainly bbc radio doctor who so uh pescatons paradise of death ghost of end space slip back uh, we're going to discuss redacted a bit as well and some others some have had vinyl releases that kind of thing so um it's we're not we're not sort of trapped within the the usual massive big finish continuity spoiler warning it's quite a nice easy one this week um so, uh, obviously, uh, before there was Big Finish, and indeed since there's been Big Finish, there has been Doctor Who on the radio. Uh, it, it, I think it all started with the Pescatons. I'm fairly sure the Pescatons was the first ever one. Uh, uh, interesting little story with Tom Baker and Elizabeth Sladen while they were still still in the roles at the time in the 70s. Um, it's, it's a bit of a strange one. Uh, but we'll come back to that in a moment, because first of all, I'm going to ask you guys what your favourite not big finish radio, BBC, whatever you want to call it, Doctor Who is. So you go first, Connor. Uh, it, it sort of has to be the Pertwee stuff, the, the, the Paradise of Death and the Ghosts of Endspace, um, for reasons that we'll, you know, we'll talk about a little bit uh, later. But I think they just feel the most substantial of these projects, you know, these different projects. Um, and it's, it's an absolute joy to hear, you know, that cast back in their roles again. Yeah, that's definitely sort of one of the highlights of it. It's, you've got actual Doctor Who audio drama with John Pertwee where you can understand what he's saying, um, which, which is a bit of a novelty. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was an unfair dig at Zagreus there. Um, Mansell, what's your favourite? Um, I, I had a lot of trouble understanding what he said in that, so I'd, I'd, I'd say it was it was fair personally. But it's uh, the um, I, I, th- I think I agree. Uh, out of the two, probably um, Paradise of Death um, 
if we were to expand and think about like things beyond radio like webcasts uh i might have a slightly different choice but yeah out of the ones that we're looking at today it's the pertwees definitely yeah it, it's well as we've said it there is something kind of special about hearing john pertwee elizabeth sladen and nicholas courtney all back playing their their classic roles um we've also got yes yeah it was it was 90s wasn't it in fact am Mm. i right in thinking that end space uh was actually broadcast after john pertwee had died i think i think they maybe recorded it a couple of years before and kind of sat on it and then he died and then it came out or maybe that was the cd release cassette release I think the way it worked was they'd made uh, Paradise of Death first, said maybe we'll do another. They didn't. The BBC sort of didn't really have much enthusiasm for it. They then rebroadcast at some stage, played an episode out of order, and the amount of complaints that they received made them think, oh, there actually is an audience for this. Let's do another. And then they made the Ghost of End Space. So Doctor Who fans complaining did once upon a time create something positive. <laughs> it was January... January, February 1996, I've just looked it up, and he passed away just before the TV movie And It was May, May wasn't it? Yeah. All right, so there we go. I was I was slightly wrong there. Um, close, close. Yeah. So um, anyway, um, the first one we've got down to chat about is the Pescatons, which I, I find it to be quite an odd one. It, it almost kind of invents Big Finish's Companion Chronicles format um, sort of 30 years, 35 years too early. Uh, but it, it's there's a lot in there to enjoy. Tom Baker's enjoying himself. It's not a flat performance. Um, it, it's good to hear Elizabeth Sladen in there as well, obviously. But yeah, huge chunks of it are kind of narrated or just the two of them. Uh, but it works. It's you know, it's a it's a nice solid story. So, um, what are your thoughts on it, Connor? Um, it's 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 a little bit strange. It's a it's a little bit odd to listen to. Um, certainly when you're more used to, um, you know, the more modern big finish stuff. Um, Pescatons feels even for the time it was made in like a wee bit of a throwback. There's this sort of meticulous and formal, slightly old fashioned field of the dialogue um it's almost very sort of scientific um in the way that the doctor speaks is something about it and it's the way these pescatons work you know it's it's like everything's a slightly more alien concept than we as doctor who fans are, are used to um it's a little bit it's 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 a little bit sort of more i i associate it with a lot of sort of classic radio serials that sort of thing that sort of style um but it's it's I I've always thought it's rather charming. It's 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 not good. I don't think it's fair to call it good. Um, but charming is the word I would use for it. Um, I do have this on vinyl. It was released on vinyl for Record Store Day a few years ago. Um, and I remember listening to it at the time and thinking, okay, pretty cool to have some Doctor Who on audio. It's maybe not quite what I want, but it, it yeah, I, I I like that it's there and it's 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 very nice to have. Um. You know, a, a, a Doctor Who story with the fourth Doctor and Sarah Jira, or <laughs> fourth Doctor and Sarah Jane. It's very nice to have a story with the fourth Doctor and Sarah Jane, you know, on audio that was actually made during their era. Um, so that's that's a big plus to it as well. Um, 
the story itself is 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 it's a little bit nonsense. It's it's you know it's 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 very sort of B movie sci fi. Um, but I keep coming back to the word charming. There is just that certain charm in the execution of it all. It's funny you should mention the uh, record store day re-release because on that exact record store day, uh, I went into a um, it was a tiny, tiny little record shop. It wasn't doing record store day. It was just normal record shop open on a Saturday. And in there for, I think it was two ninety nine was a copy of the original release of the Pescatons. So somebody had obviously <laughs> got rid of their old version to make room for the Record Store Day release. And I thought, you know what? I'm having that one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my copy is an original copy. Um, however, I did buy it on that exact Record Store Day. There's there's a guy who works in Forbidden Planet in Belfast, Um uh, I, I think his name's Mal, I'm not sure, um, but he's sort of, he's. I always say hello to him when I'm in. Um, I had gone in on that day, um, I think with Pescatons, I'd, I'd, I'd been to, uh, there was a wee independent shop in Belfast at the time, I'd been there, um, and gone into Forbidden Planet afterwards, and he says, he, he spotted it, you know, through the bag, he says, oh, you got it then? I went, yeah, 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 I'm excited to listen, and just sort of leaned in, gave them a sweet smile, he says, I have the original one, <laughs> away he went. <laughs> uh, obviously, it's it's an exclusive club having an original copy of the Pescatons on vinyl. Um, no, it isn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mansour, where do you stand on Pescatons? Um, it's uh, I I kind of like with the Pertwee ones. It's it's nice hearing um, Elizabeth Sladen with Tom Baker because we had some big finish stories with her as Sarah Jane, but um, uh, sadly they never overlapped to do a story together. So that's that's quite nice to hear that um, to hear them together on audio. Um, it feels a bit awkwardly structured to me. Um, and I, I think because it was originally released on a record, I'm wondering if there was some last minute chopping or editing of the script needed to get it to fit into the runtime. Um, cause I feel it sort of lurches forward a little bit in places, um, in terms of structure. Uh, so yeah, so it's a bit of an oddity, but for me, but, uh, but yeah, the the novelty of hearing the two leads together is uh, is really welcome. I think that's one of the advantages with sort of modern big finishes. They're not tied down to a runtime in the way that anything we're discussing today really was. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's an advantage or it's a freedom, but then you sometimes have the opposite problem of of um, of like things not being edited when they should be and uh yeah and i i know big finish at one point sort of made a bit of a decision to be a bit more disciplined with that a few years in um and to sort of not let episodes consistently overrun um but yeah there is that danger sometimes i think that when you're not restricted by space yeah sometimes the story can be longer than it needs to be yeah and it's 
it's hard to say whether you know what's worse, a story that's too short or a story that's too long. <laughs> but yeah, I did. I noticed the same thing with Pescatons. It does have those sort of odd moments where it just kind of catapults us further along the story without actually giving us a chance to figure out why we've moved on or how we've moved on. Um, I think I, I, it's... Oh, go on. I, was just, I have actually read the Target novel version of the Pescatons, um, which is... Just with he's talking about, you know, skipping over a lot of things, like there's lines of dialogue in this. We went here and we met this person and then we went to do this. Um, and there's whole swathes of the story get skipped over in that regard. Um, the novel does put a lot of that back in. And, you know, we do, those characters get dialogue and we get scenes, you know, where the Doctor's introduced to them and and it all plays out very naturally then. Um, the novel's the same in that it's charming and that's maybe all you can say about it. But um, it does, it does feel like a more, you are getting the fuller version of the story. Um, you know, it's expanded out in a lot of ways, you know, to fill the novel. So um, that's, that's. It's 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 strange, you know. We've come on to review an audio, and I'm saying read the book instead. Uh, but it does give you the more fuller, um, um, the more fully realised version of of Doctor Who and the Pescatons. It's uh, something I've often heard about a story. I said we weren't going to mention this episode. Um, Scream of the Shalka. Obviously, that got a novelisation as well, and I'm told that the novelisation is something really worth reading actually adds a little bit more that kind of thing but we'll say scream of the shelka for the inevitable webcast episode in probably the not too distant future um we're coming back to pescatons it's i'm glad it exists for many reasons tom baker and elizabeth slade on audio together um it's another doctor who by uh, victor pemberton i'm a big big fan of fury from the deep uh, and actually, it's it's definitely got more than a whiff of fury from the deep about it. You can tell it's the same writer and a lot of the same sort of ideas are in place there. Um, an enemy from the depths, all that kind of thing. Um, TARDIS landing on a beach. Uh, but um, I, I, I think it's probably something that should be looked at as a bit of an experiment. Can Doctor Who be done on audio? And I think as an experiment, it's probably successful. Uh, however, it did take them a decade to do anything else like it again, um, which is obviously slip back. We'll, we'll talk about um, shortly. Um, but for now, we'll move on to uh, the paradise of death. We're jumping forward. So this is this is the 90s and this is... Uh, John Pertwee and Elizabeth Sladen and Nicholas Courtney all back to play their original characters in brand new Doctor Who drama, audio drama. Um, and it's it, it's a strange one, I think, uh, Paradise of Death is. Um, I, I think that it, they were trying to go really, really modern and 90s with it, but they were setting it during the Doctor's original hanging out with unit time and it kind of feels a little bit disjointed because of that um but it's it's an enjoyable story certainly so connor what do you think of paradise of death i really really liked it um and and you know you go you hear these you know you hear sort of received fan wisdom you know 
you know, over the years, you know, you hear about the John Pertwee radio stories and people say, well, they're not very good. Rubbish, rubbish. I, I had a really good time with these. Um, so first and foremost, as I said earlier, it's the best thing about it is being able to hear John Pertwee, Elizabeth Sladen and Nicholas Courtney playing, you know, their, 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 their characters again. Um, it's, 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 it, it was just this really lovely, rich experience to hear those characters with those voices. I know we hear them a lot with Big Finish, um, but you know they 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 have all been recast. I love them. I love what Tim Trelore and Sadie Miller and John Colshaw are doing for Big Finish. But this was really really special to be able to hear the originals as they were on TV, um, in in a new, in a brand new story. Um, I get what you say about the you know they're trying to be nineties. Um, but they're sort of slightly hamstrung by the fact that it's set in the nineteen seventies, etc., etc. I I didn't mind or that at all. Or is it eighties? I didn't mind that at all. I I I I I thought that worked quite well because it did give you this sense that it's brand new and exciting Doctor Who. You know, they're not trying to slavishly recreate the original era. Um, they are trying to do something new and something you know to push forward a little bit, um, which which I I, I I was a big fan of, and as I said, did lend to that feeling of this being new and exciting. Um, that feeling's also sort of helped by the fact that the cast don't exactly sound the same. They still sound very, very close to their originals, but you can tell they're all a little bit older um, and a little bit more experienced as well. Um, you, you know... It, it's it, they don't sound as you know exactly the same but they're still those characters and it feels like you know you're meeting up with a couple of old friends you know after a long period of time which i suppose it probably did feel like you know for for both them and for the listeners um you also get peter miles in this story as well playing a sort of really 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 psychotic version of nider um which was a lot of fun <laughs> he's, he's he's maybe even the highlight of this story um and we also get Jane Slavin as well, uh, which I was very, very surprised by and very, very delighted to hear. You know, she's very familiar to us as as big Finnish listeners because she turns up a lot in in the Fourth Doctor stories and across, you know, their range. Um, so we're very, you know, very familiar with her voice. Um, and I was just like, oh, it's it's her. There's, there's a little bit of the future of audio Doctor Who, you know, in this, you know. It's it's not fair to call this the beginning because it wasn't the first Doctor Who audio story made, but it it feels like that in the same way that seeing Lisa Barman turn up in Survival feels like oh there's a little glimpse at the future uh, of Doctor Who. So yeah, that was quite nice as well. Yeah, it wasn't the first story. It wasn't even the first full cast because Slipback came first. But it it it, it was the first time we'd done the big finish thing of recreating an era that was like a, you know, a couple of decades in the past. Um, so it was, yeah, you know, in a way it was the first time we'd had like a, a non-contemporary doctor and companion team on audio. And I think um, it's probably the first time there's an audio only companion as well. Um, yes, Jeremy. Our, our, our good friend Jeremy Fitzoliver. Connor, what was your reaction to Jeremy? When... I I went into these not knowing that Jeremy was in them. I've heard <laughs> of Jeremy over the years. Um, and I always, in all honesty, I thought Jeremy was a myth. 
made up to scare <laughs> younger Doctor Who fans like me. Um, <laughs> uh, so when when I when I when I started this and uh, I'm sending you a photographer, his name's Jeremy Fitzoliver. I was like, oh god, no, it's him. Oh no. <laughs> like Slender Man, but <laughs> it's time. For, it's like I, gen, I genuinely thought he had just been made up to, to scare younger fans. <laughs> Jeremy sits inside your head. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have heard Jeremy now. Jeremy has been inside my head, and that's an experience I will repeat not willingly in the distant future. <laughs> Yeah, and eat you um, while you're listening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely, in all honesty, I didn't know these were the stories with Jeremy, um, and and it was a very visceral reaction to hear his name and then to hear him, um, and you know, you know, a lot of things Doctor Who fans complain about, um, and and you you know, I, as I say, you know, like as I said earlier, people say, oh, the Pertwee Radio stories were rubbish. And I listen to him and they're not. And I was like, people say, you know, Jeremy's awful and I listen to him now. And yes, he is. <laughs> so at least that bit's accurate. <laughs> um, I think he's perhaps the only bit that people remember. Like, even while planning this this podcast with you guys, I've referred to them as the Jeremy stories a couple of times. <laughs> and maybe, maybe that's it. Like it's such a dreadful character, and he is a dreadful character. He's annoying, and it's it's not what I want to see from a sort of nineteen seventies supposed to be Doctor Who companion. Am I right? Um, he doesn't actually do anything until near the end of Ghosts of End Space. Like he's just there to complain, and then gets to the end of the second serial, and he does something, and it feels very deliberately written in that. Oh, look, Jeremy's doing something. He does have a reason to be here. There's something in the concept, like, you know, we saw it on TV with um, you know, the kind of joke about Rory is Amy's companion or like the companion having a companion. Um, it's kind of in the um, Hex Ace dynamic as well with Big Finish. So there's, there was potentially something there of like Sarah's got her companion, um, but yeah, uh, maybe not executed in the most uh, engaging way. But, but like just on the... the the modern concepts thing. I, I completely agree with um, what what Connor was saying that uh, that's kind of what I want from uh, if you're doing a non-contemporary TARDIS team, um, the, the TV stories already exist. There's no point trying to just like slavishly recreate something that would have been broadcast at the time. Um, yeah, totally update it with modern ideas and like, and uh, the, I think actually uh paradise of death when i was listening to it when i was re-listening to it now because i because i bought it when it first came out on tape um and was quite excited to to get it at the time so i might be a little bit nostalgic about it but um re-listening to it today uh yeah it's kind of talking about vr which was the trendy stuff that was being talked about in the 90s but I think there's a lot you can read into it now retrospectively about social media and um, uh, uh, and like um, AI and um, and you know false information being spread online. There's a lot of those sorts of themes that you know I'm sure weren't intended fully, but are, happen to sort of be quite prescient and and quite contemporary even today. So in some ways, it's accidentally ahead of its time. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Like I think there's a lot. Of, you can look back at it now and see. Actually, yeah, that's you can you can read it with a, a sort of modern contemporary lens as well. Yeah, that's that's quite an interesting take on it. Actually, yes, I agree with that. Um, just just to return to Jeremy, we'll go on to Ghost of End Space in a second. Uh, but just to return to Jeremy, um, must we? There's yes. <laughs> you, well, you might find some solace in what I'm about to say. Um, his his eventual fate is revealed in a past Doctor adventure, um, and uh, basically uh, it's uh, Instruments of Darkness. It's called, and it's a long, long time since I've read it. It's probably about fifteen years since I read it, but. Um, basically, he starts messing about with the iris machine, wipes his own memory, and ends up becoming a villain, one of the many, many villains in Instruments of Darkness, and sort of, from what I remember, dies fairly unpleasantly. So um, at least there's that. We'll move on then. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just disappointed to find out that there are indeed more Jeremy stories that I will unfortunately stumble across someday. (laughs) You don't actually actually find out he's Jeremy until after he's died. The doctor kind of turns around and goes, oh, poor old Jeremy. Um, (laughs) It's it's just like, it's the big twist at the end of the book. The bad guy was Jeremy Fitzoliver all along. Oh, good Lord. It's it's fantastic um, in a... In, a, in an interesting kind of way. <laughs> um, I cannot think of a more ignominious end for a character, and I can't think of a character that deserves it more. Well, it's it's the last entry in a um, sort of very loose trilogy that I would recommend reading. It's a Gary Russell trilogy, um, and it's, it's the first one, Scales of Injustice, I think it is. Uh, the second one is um, Business Unusual, and the third is Instruments of Darkness. Um, and yeah, it's they're well worth a read. They're, they're sort of a it's a fun little trilogy um, that has some running themes and characters through them, and makes Jeremy Fitzoliver into a bad guy. <laughs> um, very right. negative, and I've done a lot of complaining. I, I would like to just on on you know on behalf of myself, just to say that I did enjoy this story and I thought it was very good. <laughs> just, but... to, just to counter some of the negativity that, is, that has flown freely from me in these last few minutes. Well, we'll move on to the Ghosts of End Space and there's plenty of room there for positivity, isn't there? I, again, I quite liked it. I, I, oh, fair I, enough. <laughs> yeah, Go on, then. It's, it's, I thought it was decent. Like, it's it's... It's 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 even it's even less doing the um, the whole you know slavish recreating of an era because we just lose the whole you know in the in the first episode there's the whole setup of the unit investigation that's gone entirely it's the brigadier on holiday <laughs> you know um, Sarah Jane just happens to be in the same place that feels a little bit strange but fair enough um, so yeah it's it's Again, I quite liked it. I like the whole thing about the Doctor and Sarah having to travel back in time to find out about the the mystery that of 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 the ghosts that has gone through this this family, um, this family's history and and the way some of that builds up about you know Sarah meeting I think it's the White Lady in in the future and then meeting uh, you know the character in the past I've, I've forgotten her name unfortunately um, who is going to become the White Lady and Sarah's horrified by this. 
Um, I was like, there's there's a really nice moment. I'll say really nice. There's there's a there's a moment where Sarah says, um, "Oh, you know, doctor, we have to do something. This girl's going to die," and he just runs, turns around. Well, well, yes, of course she is. You've come from the future. She's been long dead. You know, it's that whole thing about the the perspective of time of a of a time traveler, which which I thought worked really well. So that was that was a, um, I, I quite liked that their little trips back into the past. I'm maybe not so keen on some of the stuff in the present day with the brigadier and he who shall not be named, <clears throat> Jeremy, um, where where they're sort of taking on this mobster, and I know it ties into the the doctor's stuff going into the past, uh, the doctor and Sarah's little side of the story, um. It's it's fine. It's weird. It's it's weird sort of imagery about the demons and the ghosts sort of sweeping around this castle while the brigadier and Jeremy shoot at them. Fair enough. Um, but I, I, again, overall, I I had a good time with it. I enjoy hearing the third Doctor Sarah Jane and the brigadier again with those actors playing them. Um, and I, as I say, I really really liked the Doctor and Sarah's trips into the past. So yeah, I did enjoy this one. I had quite a good time with it. There's definitely quite a bit to enjoy in there, but there's I've always found that it just sort of there is too much like the stuff going on in the modern day and Jeremy and all that kind of thing. But yeah, it, it does have some great moments and I think the the stuff surrounding the Doctor and Sarah is definitely the the sort of highlight of it. Um what are your thoughts on it, Mansoor? Um yeah, I don't I don't mind it uh sort of breaking the format and doing something even more different from the TV era. Uh, I think the problem was that, um, yeah, it got, was this one, like, one episode longer or it felt like it was a little, just a little bit too long. That all yeah, these different this, strands. This was, was six, whereas Paradise six. was five, I think. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. So five is already quite long and then this pushes it up to six. And I thought like the, yeah, the going back in time is interesting because because um, uh, you don't always see that in a Doctor Who story. Often the TARDIS, it, it's not it's often not a time travel show. It's often just that the TARDIS is a way to get the Doctor to a specific time and place, and then the adventure happens there. So um, yeah, it's always a nice change of pace to actually have time travel in the story. Um, and then, like when we get to Stephen Moffat, it's it starts to happen like much more more regularly. Um, but the yeah, the, the, and the the one bit that didn't work for me, and this is like something that happens with a lot of audio that sort of makes me. It just might be a personal thing for me. Just makes me sort of disengage a little bit, or makes it harder for me to to pay attention. Is when you have like very very noisy chaotic action scenes, and. I think you can, you can do action on audio. There's like a way of doing it, and I quite like it when, when it's done well. But like I found it a bit hard to follow. It was just like a bit of a um, with all the stuff with the demons. It just like felt like quite noisy to me. Yeah, there's a little, I guess, too much action. Um, there's an awful lot in there that's actually quite visual, which when you're listening to a radio drama isn't ideal, really. Um, but it's it's certainly not the only Doctor Who audio that is guilty of doing that. Um, it does it happens quite a lot. 
um, it's I've, I've been listening to um, sort of the big Finnish unit stuff on and off recently, and I've found that there's a lot of action in there. There's like big chunks of episodes that are right. Let's throw in all of the the gun and grenade sound effects we have, and that'll you know that sort of thing. So yeah, there's there is quite a lot of that, but it's certainly not unique uh, to Ghosts of End Space. Um, but it's, I'd say of the two, I'd say I probably enjoy Ghosts of End Space more, but I think that's because it just gives us a little bit more of uh, the Third Doctor and Sarah as a as a TARDIS team, and that sort of it, that strand is really nice to follow. Um, I find it also has Harry Tybe in it, which gets many many points from me. Um, it's it's uh, always very fun to hear. I, I actually didn't realize it was him because he's not doing his normal accent. Um, he's he's Uncle Mario. Um, and I was reading through the cast list and I was like, oh, this is instantly so much better for having Harry in it. It's. I mean, they've they've both got very impressive casts, really, haven't they? In terms of people that have been involved with Doctor Who, um. There's there's quite a lot in there, quite a few good actors in there. It's um it's Sandra Dickinson in the second one, isn't it? Is the sort of the uh, I've forgotten the character's name again. She's the uh, the mafia mobsters uh, partner, um, and then she sort of comes over to the brigadier's side. Yeah, was it was it Maggie? Is it? I'm not sure. I'm gonna have to look I it up. I can't remember now. <laughs> it's it's, but it is, it's it's Sandra Dickinson, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. Um, and I think. Uh, I think Jane Slavin's in one of them as well, who would obviously go on to be Anya Kingdom in Big Finishy stuff. Um, I'm fairly sure she's in. I think it might be Paradise of Death. It was. It was. I'd, 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 I'd said a bit earlier on there. Um, I'm just reading through for Ghosts of End Space. Um, Stephen Thorne was Max, um, which is he's. That's an, another another throwback. They definitely sort of consciously went with names that are associated with Doctor Who. While casting it, and I quite like that. That's it's sort of a nice touch, and it's again something that Big Finish would go on to do. When you think about, particularly in the early days, the number of classic Doctor Who guest actors that were popping up in Big Finish. You know, obviously, now twenty uh, odd years after Big Finish started, sadly there aren't as many classic Doctor Who guest actors with us, but. Um, in the early days, it was certainly something that they kind of, they kind of obviously consciously set out to do, um, and I, I thought that was quite a nice touch. And obviously, you know, we get a lot of new who actors in Big Finish now as well, um, so it's a tradition that, in a way, has been continued. Looking at the Paradise of Deaths cast list, um, and uh, Trevor, the most notable one is Trevor Martin, uh, and he played the Doctor on stage in. Doctor Who and the Daleks in the Seven Keys to Doomsday. Try saying that when you're <laughs> when you've had a few. It's like, okay, uh, we shall uh, move on. We shall move on to, or should we? We'll, we'll slip back. Um, no, no, we won't. We'll move on to slip back. Um, so slip back was done. Uh, I think it was done during the the infamous eighties hiatus. Um, it has the the Doctor and Perry, who were the current TARDIS team in there, written by Eric Saywood, so it's theoretically very, very of the era. Um, 
However, it's a six-parter, which we didn't have in the era. Suppose we had the two Doctors. Uh, so, Connor, what are your thoughts on Slipback? Uh, it's a thing I've heard. Um, <laughs> I did this in two settings, um, uh, just earlier this week, actually. Um, and it's, it's, it's something that I... Again, I was quite interested to hear this one because I'm a, I'm I'm quite a big fan of the eighties Doctor Who, um, but I in all honesty don't remember remember very much about this one, and I, I literally heard it just this week. Um, the 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 ten minute episodes do not help it at all. Um, I sort of find that made for a very very sort of fractured uh, listening experience. Um, I, I I probably would have preferred. I, I think I might do better with this one if I maybe edit it into two half hour episodes. Um, but it's it's it's. I find it difficult to pay attention to. There's a lot going on. It's very busy. There's a lot of different characters to try and keep up with. Um, and it sort of jumps between them very quickly because again they're sort of limited to those ten minute episodes. It's it's, it's nice to hear Colin Baker and Nicola Bryant playing you know, the Doctor and Perry and sounding exactly the same as they did at the time because it was recorded at the time. But it's, it's I, I, as I say, I don't actually remember anything about the story. Um, I remember, I remember, you know, it's, it's, it's nice. It's certainly nice to hear Valentine dial. Um, you know, and I think this was recorded literally just a few weeks before he died and came out a couple of weeks after. Um so that's you know it's 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 quite strange it is it's nice to hear him there um but it's a little bit of a strange experience as well um but it's it's out of all of the stories that we've you know got on the list to talk about today it's it's definitely the weakest i would say yeah i i did find the short episodes to be quite quite odd i mean i found the sort of pacing of the whole thing to be quite odd really it kind of it seemed to start off very Douglas Adams like I guess there was a lot of stuff in there that was sort of very very hitchhikers ish um, and that seems to get abandoned around the second episode and it, it just goes back into being dark bleak 80s Doctor Who um, I did find myself at the episode 5 cliffhanger going why is this called slip back uh, and then it is mentioned in the 6th episode so it kind of it justifies its title in the final episode. But yeah, the first couple of episodes I actually quite enjoyed because it was sort of Eric Sayward having a go at doing Douglas Adams and it sort of worked, you know, in an era where Doctor Who was criticised for being overly dark and overly violent and all that kind of thing. It was quite it was quite nice just to have this sort of fun 20, 30 minutes at the beginning of this story. But then it kind of settled back into a less than great version of mid eighties Doctor Who. Uh, Mansell, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, yeah, definitely, it definitely feels like someone trying to write a story that's in the style of Douglas Adams, but it does have a lot of that Sayward um, style still showing through. I think uh, there there are some scenes that I think if they were done on TV would potentially be quite gruesome, from what I remember. Um, and I, I, I didn't hate this. I thought it was all right. And it's, uh, I, the, so I was listening to it, uh, or re-listening to it recently. And because I'm quite used to big finish recreating eras, I was thinking, oh, they've gone to a lot of effort to recreate the musical stings and, um, and sound design and make it sound like 
you know, TV story would have done at the time. And then I remembered, oh no, this was made in the middle of Colin Baker's era. So that's why. Um, so that's quite nice that it sounds, it's like of its time. It sounds era authentic. Um, uh, but yeah, I think the, the short episodes, I agree, make it feel a bit slight. Um, and also this is like not judging the story uh, on its own merits in isolation, but doesn't, doesn't this give us a contradictory explanation for the creation of the universe, like not that long after Terminus? I'm, I'm forgetting the details of the story, but isn't isn't that the conclusion that it's um, that, uh, that there's something about creating or triggering the Big Bang? Yes, that was the first thing that sprung to mind when I listened to it. It was hang on a minute, that's contradicting Terminus, which they only did a couple of years before. Yeah. <laughs> Which, say, with script edited. <laughs> it's not just that it contradicts it. It contradicts it with a nearly identical explanation. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then again, you know, in the Pertwee era, Azal destroyed Atlantis until the Master did one year later. So it's it's, it's not, not the first time. So it, yeah. it's, it's fitting with Doctor Who. I like to think that Eric Sayward was going... I'm going to create the same kind of problem that the demons and the time monster <laughs> and the underwater menace uh, all created as well. I love what you've uh, basically just credited Eric Sabred with saying there was, I'm going to cause problems on purpose. <laughs> I mean, every other Doctor Who writer's done. Why shouldn't Sabred get to as well? You make him sound like that naughty goose in the computer game, but like the Doctor Who script editor version, which is just, <laughs> today I'm going to cause problems. All we need now is like somebody to come along. Um, Russell T. Davis needs to do an episode in the immediate future where the Big Bang is created by a spaceship venting fuel or something like that. I'm just trying to think if there are any other examples of this in Doctor Who. Is Earthshock the only time the dinosaurs get wiped out? There's got to be another example. If you can think of another example, tweet at us. Because uh, I'm genuinely curious, when does Doctor Who contradict itself? There's things um, that have been set up that I, I predict are going to be contradicted at some point. Like things like, was it like the Rachnos formed the Earth? Or oh, um, yeah. so like what happened with the moon? Like Those are like quite big things about the Earth and the moon that I'm sure at some point are going to get contradicted. There's all the stuff about the first Doctor having one heart and then, you know, as, as it develops, he's, you know, like Patrick Troughton ends up having two or something like that. Yeah, being alien like that wasn't was that explicit? They talked about their people in an unearthly child, but that could have been like a future human colony. Or uh... see, the problem I have here is I've seen the pilot episode probably just as many times as I've seen an unearthly child, and I completely get confused over which continuity is which because they, they do the contradict each other. They say yeah, the in, the pilot, in the pilot, they're from the. Yeah, in the pilot, they're from the future, and then in an earthly child, they're aliens. Well, they say they say our people, but I guess I'm saying that like you could read that as our people is like future humans or spacefaring humans. I still haven't seen an, Earth, an unearthly child. I've never, I've, I've never watched it. I'm saving it for the sixtieth. It's an interesting one to watch because it obviously did a bit. <laughs> I feel like that's my darkest secret as a Doctor Who fan. Yes, I've done the books, I've done Big Finish, but I've never done an unearthly child. 
I mean, as we talk, I'm actually working out whether it's viable to just completely edit you out of this whole podcast. <laughs> um, We're talking of contradictions. The, there's an unearthly child, but because they novelized the Daleks first, that's the book of that is written as the first ever Doctor Who story, like where Ian oh, and Barbara the, meet. The is Barnes where, Common stuff, isn't there? I was yeah, going to say, that's yeah. where the whole Barnes Common thing comes from. Shall we push on? Have we said all we're going to say about Slipback? I think we probably have. I think we've said yeah. all we should say about Slipback. Yeah. I, I, I was going to say I could say many more things about Slipback, but it's maybe best that I don't. Don't make me dig out the bleepy sound effect again. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, just as we as we start to wind this episode down, there's just one more thing I kind of wanted to discuss, really, which was um, obviously we've had uh, kind of, I guess, the modern equivalent of a uh, BBC-produced Doctor Who radio drama. We've had Redacted um, just over a year ago, which was uh, a podcast released, a drama podcast released once weekly um, featuring loads of sort of Doctor Who characters, all relatively recent ones, and of course the 13th Doctor herself. I just kind of wondered where Redacted stood in sort of in comparison to the other things we've discussed today. So you go first, Connor. I I remember talking about Redacted at the time. I can't even remember. I can't really... I know we did an episode on it. Um, I can't remember what I said about it at the time, as I think as I've got a little bit more distance from it. I think it's strange that it doesn't really have, at least in the early parts of the series, it doesn't really have an identity of its own. It's sort of relying on the guest characters coming in, or the the new you know, the new three main characters sort of looking into the events of past Doctor Who episodes, um, and it doesn't really have much of a a, a storyline of its own at the beginning, and it slowly becomes more so over the course of the series then and it sort of breaks away from it starts off with that podcast format where you're listening to episodes that these characters have made and then it eventually at some point just sort of becomes a standard audio drama about their lives um i love 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 that it has jodie whittaker in it i love that they have this you know they're doing i'd said for a long time and lockdown i suppose could be could have sure was in my head should have been a perfect opportunity to do it that when Doctor Who's in its off season and it's not on TV, it would be really nice to have a couple of radio stories and audio adventures with the current cast, um, because they don't take up an awful lot of time to record. You know, as far as I am aware, you know, like Big Finish have always said, like a discs, you know, an hour's worth of recording is one day. Um, so it's it, it's it's there's not a huge. From the from the point of view from the point of view of having a cast, you know, the TV cast do it, it's not a huge time commitment. Um so I always thought that would be really cool to do and you know, they, they finally did it with Redacted. Um so I'm a big fan of doing that, you know, having an audio series on when Doctor Who's not on air that does sort of tie in um to, you know, the the T V series in some way. Um I am looking forward. I hope they're going to do I don't I, I, I don't know if a second series has been announced or anything. I'd, I'd love them to do one, um, and I would certainly listen to it. Um, but I think I would like it to have a little bit more of its own drive as a series, you know, throughout this time rather than more near the end as, as the first series did. I'd like a little bit more 
um, I suppose having its own identity rather than constantly revisiting the events and the characters from other Doctor Who stories. Yeah, it's. uh, We doubted kind of went down the bringing back loads of well-known characters' roots, but didn't quite do it in the same way that Big Finish does, I guess. I guess the characters that were in it fit into the story, and it was about the universe that centres around the Doctor breaking down and that kind of thing. So naturally, people that know the Doctor would come out of the woodwork. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting point. Uh, Mansell, what are your thoughts sort of redacted compared to the other stuff we've talked about? Uh, just as a side note, I think I believe it is coming back for a second series, but there was that uh, uh, bit of controversy with uh, it Ella Watts. Ah, um, uh, yes, they've, uh, they've replaced Ella Watts, haven't they? Yeah, uh, and um, yeah, it sounds like it wasn't like what you know, whatever the decision making behind that. It sounds like it maybe wasn't done in the best way uh, from the way that she tells it. Um, but yeah, it is coming back. Uh, last we heard. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate it for the fact that, like we were saying before, like it's doing something different, and um, yeah, and, uh, and it's kind of like even more different because the Doctor's in it very briefly, um, and I thought those early episodes worked okay. They are, I think, maybe we noticed those things from familiar stories because we know many of those stories. Um, but it'd be really interesting to hear from someone who was coming to Redacted completely fresh and hadn't consumed much Doctor Who before, because I felt like it was written partly with that sort of audience in mind, or trying to do the best of both worlds. Like, be written in a way where you could take the perspective of these new characters encountering all these other people, but then also if you know the whole history of the show, you, you, yeah, you are constantly spotting all these these existing characters popping up. So, yeah, I thought I thought it was, um, uh, yeah, a welcome, fresh take, and yeah, I'm looking forward to more. In terms of um, what Connor was talking about before, kind of the audio Doctor Who plugging, literally plugging gap years, I guess, um, which is sort of what Redacted did. Um, you know, we only had two new episodes of Doctor Who uh, last year. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of what Slipback was doing. You know, it filled the hiatus, and to a lesser extent, it's yeah. what Paradise of Death and Ghost of Endspace did. Um, f- taking that sort of, you know, looking at it from that perspective, I'd say Redacted probably did the best job there because it's telling a story about essentially the doctor being missing in a year where the doctor was missing i I agree um i i think this would take a lot of um lining up because uh tv production works at a completely different pace to uh like audio production um but in an ideal world what i'd quite like is like you have something like flux so there's like a big event where you've got six connected episodes on tv what would be really nice if there's like a kind of supplementary strand or something that like fleshes out part of that plot on audio that, that runs alongside that. So like not, not going like full time Lord Victorious where it's like a million different strands across different media, but just having like a kind of um, audios that tie into what's going on on TV, but maybe told from the perspective of like a, a sort of new character. Um, 
Yeah. But I get that that would be potentially tricky and complex from production and timing points of view. I think um, sort of one thing, uh, and this is something Big Finish will inevitably do sooner or later, but I think one thing that sort of uh, pops up from very recent Doctor Who is the 13th Doctor and Yaz kind of had their own era and we never saw it on telly. They obviously travelled together for a long, long time. Um, and I think that's that's something that, you know, we maybe could have seen, uh, something they could have recorded over, you know, when we were back in lockdown exactly. or it's something they could have given us. And it, it, it does feel like there's there's a huge chunk of, I guess, unseen character development between the two. And I quite like that to to get yeah. explored but I, I don't think that's BBC Radio now I think that's that's big finished territory now but it's something that I kind of wish they'd been yeah I agree like I, like I hope big finished to return to it but I think you're exactly right like Star Trek Picard did this for the last couple of seasons um, where they put out an audio drama I think just before season two and season three um, and it was exactly that it was kind of like a prelude uh, or prologue that fleshes out some of the characters uh before those seasons start. Um, and yeah, like Yaz and the Doctor on their own would have been absolutely uh, perfect for that. Yeah, hope, like I say, it's it's something I expect Big Finish will will find the way to, but it, it sort of feels like maybe it was a missed opportunity and maybe it could have added a bit to, um, you know, to Flux and to uh, Power of the Doctor, that kind of thing. Um. So I, I think we've talked about everything. I think we've covered it all, um, all that we're going to cover today anyway. Obviously, there's hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of BBC audio, Doctor Who. There are, you know, there are other uh, audio dramas. There are audio books. There's, there's plenty that we could get stuck into, and I'm sure we will at some point. But um, I think really today we've looked at a very very niche and unique corner of the Hooniverse, which is these actually very rare BBC produced audio dramas. And I think that in some ways it's a shame that we've not seen more. You know, it's it would have been nice if Slipback was the first in a season of a few, uh, for example. Um, it's a shame that we didn't get more John Pertwee and Elizabeth Sladen. I mean, that goes without saying, I think. Um so yeah, it's it, it's an it's an odd little corner of Doctor Who, and it feels like there's been a lot of false starts over the years. Uh, so maybe Redacted getting a second season is perhaps the start of uh, this sort of thing becoming a bit more a bit more regular, a bit more normal. Um, that'd be quite interesting to see. Uh, but that is where we'll leave it now. Um, we will come back and discuss webcasts at some point. We'll come back and we'll discuss. Uh, we want to do Nest Cottage. We keep saying we need to do Nest Cottage, so we will come back and do Nest Cottage at some point soon. But for now, like I say, we'll leave it there. So I will say thank you and goodbye to Connor. Thank you very much. And I'll say thank you and goodbye to Mansour. Thank you. And we will be back for more podcasting very soon. Goodbye now. Goodbye.